I don't know if anybody mentioned it, but um, we're having services here at the plant here at Connections uh, for Darwin Ends. Many of you in here have known Darwin Ends for, some of you, if you're like me, 30 plus years. Some of you don't have any idea who he is. Um, Darwin uh, is Kevin's dad. Kevin Ends' is dad, one of our founding elders. Uh, he was in a nursing home facility uh, for the last couple of years in Berryville, and he passed away, uh, went home to be with the Lord this past Monday. So the services here at the plant are six to nine, a viewing uh, for family and friends here at the plant uh, on Thursday evening. And then his memorial service or celebration of life service will be on Friday at 10 a.m. And again, that's here at the plant. Happiness versus joy, right? That's where we started out in the video. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is eternal. Here we are smack dab in the middle of Advent, right? Smack dab. I like that word, joy. We're in the week of joy. That's what Christmas is all about, okay? And that's the second chapter of Luke, if you want to turn there. And if you followed along while Linus was uh, reciting that, he said, I bring you good tidings or good news. I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. If you're a fill-in-the-blank person in your bulletin, your first point there is Christ brought joy for all people. Where does joy come from? You know, we, we live in a society where we want stuff right now, don't we? We want stuff right now. You know, I don't want to wait in the drive-thru. How many times have you been in the drive-thru in Inwood? Dave was going off a little bit on the Inwood traffic. <laughs> I'll, give you another, uh, I'll give you another interesting place to sit for a while. Okay, go into the commons in Martinsburg where Dick's Sporting Goods is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a, a tar pit. It's like a fly trap because you can get in. You just can't get out, okay? And I sat in just a little bit of that traffic on Friday. Now, I, this, this coming week and this weekend, I have no idea what that's going to be like. I, I've, I've sat in that line before for over an hour. But I was in that traffic for a little bit on Friday, and the guy that was in the vehicle with me said, you know, you know why all this traffic is backed up? Because they got two lanes at the bottom of the hill turning towards Arden, where nobody's going, and only one lane turning toward the interstate and toward Martinsburg, where everybody wants to go. And we were in the work truck, and he said, why don't you get out and change the arrows and repaint it right now with some spray paint and make it go right? And, you know, we thought about it. We seriously thought about it. We did. And I thought, man, that's really going to make a bad traffic jam when I change the arrows and nobody's going to know which way to go. But uh, traffic, traffic can get the best of you, right? It can, it can be frustrating. But, you know, joy is not something that we can order up. Joy is not something we can get on command. I'm glad because you don't have to order up joy. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to try and create your own joy. Joy doesn't come from us. And joy, as the video explained, doesn't come from your circumstances. You know, happiness is something that we feel. It's an emotion, like sadness. And happiness comes and goes. You know, happiness happens. I like that statement. Happiness happens. It's circumstantial, okay? Whatever's going on, whatever your environment is, whatever has happened to you or not happened that you were wishing for affects your happiness level. Joy is constant. Joy is eternal, okay? And joy doesn't come from us, and that's one of the reasons it's constant and eternal. Where does it come from? Well, our first answer is there in Luke 2, the birth of the Christ child. It's not just Jesus' birthday. It's the incarnation. It's just not a regular birth. It's God coming down to become one of us. You know, I heard a song this week that said he had a manger for his bed. You know the word manger means feed trough, right? Just a, a wooden feed trough like you'd have in a, in a stall for horses or cattle. 
manger, you know, mangi, mangi, the Italians say mangi, eat, manger, means an eating trough, a feeding trough. And the song said he had a manger for his bed. He had no crown upon his head. He came like one of us instead. And that's the whole point. He wasn't born in Jerusalem. You say, well, why wasn't he born in Rome? Why didn't a million angels come down with him? Well, the angels took notice when he was born. They were the ones who were singing, if you remember the story. Okay? But he came as one of us. He came lowly. He came humble because he came to save the world. He came to take away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist said when he pointed at Jesus in the front of that crowd. There's the Lamb of God. He came to take away the sins of the world. He came for all of us. And so when we think about the Christmas story, when we think about the incarnation of Christ, I think often we say, well, you know, he could have been inside. He could have been somewhere a little nicer. He could have been, could have been some more fanfare with the, the birth of Jesus. And that's not why he came. And, it, and it hopefully this Christmas season, it gives you pause to reflect on what means, what has meaning in this life and in this Christmas season and what doesn't. Because the most meaningful thing about the birth of Christ is that God sent his one and only son to redeem us. Why? Because he loves you and me that much. But love is not what saves us. The blood of Christ as he sacrificed himself on that cross is what saves us. So that love is love in action. That love is love in sacrifice. And the most important thing to Jesus was fulfilling the work that the Father gave him to do. So what was important about the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, the relationship with God, the fact that God sent down his redemption, the ability to restore his relationship with all of us, indeed with every human being, if they would trust in him and believe in him through his son. That's what's important. So what's important at Christmas? That you're staying at the nicest place, eating the best food, doing the, the most fun things? No, what matters is your relationship to God. The status of your relationship with God, whether or not he's living inside of you and then your relationship with all those around you as you minister to them with the love and the grace of Christ. That's what he brought down. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be for all people. That joy was Jesus. That joy was Jesus because Jesus came down, you know. When I was reflecting on Mr. Enns and how much effect he had on my life, I was in his Sunday school class for many years. And, of course, thinking about Kevin, I remember the very first uh, Christmas we celebrated together as a church. And I was having breakfast with Kevin, as I did often on Saturdays. And he said, what are you going to talk about tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm just going to tell him that God came down. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, he came down. That's what happened at Christmas, right? He came down. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, he could have sent somebody else, but he didn't. Because somebody else couldn't save us. He could have sent down an instruction manual or a self-help book or a tape of, you know, somebody like Dr. Phil, right? He didn't do that because the only way to save us, the only way to redeem us was to send his son. God came down. That's what happened on the incarnation. He came down. Well, Kevin got so excited when I told him he came down. He said, I want you to try to say he came down 30 times tomorrow morning. Say he came down because that's, that's so exciting. That's so wonderful. And that's the truth of Christmas. What happened at the incarnation? He came down and became like one of us. Didn't mean God had never been here before. He created it all. But he came down and became one of us. That was the only way he might redeem us. He might save us. 
Your second point in your bulletin is joy comes from a right relationship with God, not from us or from our circumstances. You can go to the Old Testament. You can go to your concordance in the back of your Bible if you have a study Bible and look up the word joy. You know, joy is used extensively, plus the word for rejoice, all throughout the Bible. Many times here in, in the Gospel of Luke, also in the Gospel of John, 1 John. And you know the book of Philippians. That's the book of joy. Short little letter that Paul wrote when he was in prison. I'm going to read you some verses from there in a minute. But joy doesn't come from us because joy comes from God. And if you look at all those references in the Old Testament, you will see that joy came from being in God's presence. Let me read you just one in Psalm 16 in verse 11. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's where joy comes from. Joy comes from God from being in his presence and when you look at the psalms and you look at isaiah and you look at all these scriptures that have to do with the joy of the lord that's the joy that then becomes joy in our hearts it doesn't come from us we don't create it we can't order it up it's not circumstantial it's not because everything's going okay it's eternal and you know when i think about circumstances i think about mr ends and I think Mr. Enns was 85 when he went home to be with the Lord on Monday. But you know, when, when Mr. Enns was 18 years old, he was a guy from Kansas. He was from the Plains. Okay, he was a, he was a hardy, uh, tough guy. Tough as a pine knot, that's what they say, right? And you know, when Mr. Enns was 18, he had a massive stroke. 18 years old, imagine that. Massive stroke and it paralyzed one side of his body. It was his right side, I think, if I remember correctly. So he had almost no use, I mean almost no use at all of his right arm and his right leg. And when I first met Mr. Enns, I was sitting in a church at First Baptist here at Inwood and I saw a guy coming down the side aisle and you know what he was doing? He was walking, he didn't want anybody to help him and he was pulling his right leg with his left arm, okay? This is how he walked, all right? Oh, I'm sorry, Phil told me not to get too far away from the podium, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't get a thumbs up. Uh, here's my point. Just, just imagine it now. 18 to 85. No use of your right side. Okay, and I could give you a 10-minute long list, but I don't have to do it. But Mr. Enns ran the uh, rehabilitation program at the VA Center. That's what brought his family to Martinsburg. Uh, he was head of that rehabilitation. At that point in time, I think it was mostly dealing with alcoholism in Martinsburg. And he transformed that whole unit. The unit from the hospital of the VA here in Martinsburg became a model for all the other VAs in the U.S. True story. In the late 70s, early 80s. Because of how Mr. Enns treated those veterans. Because of the way that he administered to, to their needs. But, you know, I'd been to his house dozens of times. Mr. Enns poured concrete. He put in a walk. He put in his porch. He built furniture. I, he gave, I don't know, Ed, what, hundreds and hundreds of chalk talks to those kids? <laughs> you know, just Mr. Enns was not an idle person, okay? He built things. He made things without use of one side of his body. Now, here's my point. I knew Mr. Enns for over 30 years. I was with him in the hospital. I was with him at Kevin's house after Mrs. Enns went home to be with the Lord. Kevin and Tammy built a room on their house. He lived in there. He was in a wheelchair most of the time. I was with him after he fell. He would fall many times since he had, didn't have use of that right leg. He would fall. He couldn't catch himself. He would, I'd see him often. His head would be scarred, you know. And I'd say, Mr. Enns, what happened? Are you okay? Oh, I'm all right. I'm fine. Everything's good. 
How are you? You know? And in 30 years, I never heard Mr. Ann's complaint. Not one time. Not one time. He always had a light in his eyes. He always had joy. It was the joy of the Lord coming out of him. I'm going to tell you something. If I didn't have use of half of my body from the age 18 on, you know what I'd be saying? Hey, God, really? This is it? This is what you give me? I'm trying to be faithful to you, and I get this? I never heard Mr. Enns be bitter. I never heard him complain. He had the joy of the Lord in his heart. Joy is not circumstantial. And I heard that from people this week as they found out about Mr. Enns going home to be with the Lord. You know what they said? Well, I'm sad that he's not with us anymore, but wow, how joyous it is for him and for Mrs. Enns and for Kevin. Amen? In heaven right now. Awesome. So even from the people who were grieving Mr. Enns' passing, in the, in the midst of that sadness, there was joy. There's joy. You know why? Because that joy is eternal. You know why it's eternal? Because it comes from God and from his presence. It's not circumstantial, and we don't create it, but we are called to live in it. Look at Galatians chapter 5. It's a familiar scripture to many of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. In other words, living in the Holy Spirit. More importantly, allowing the Holy Spirit to live in you. Okay, you trust in Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us as believers. And the fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of what we do, remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think there's nine. It's a nice list to memorize. You see any evidence of that list in your life? I can make you feel guilty if you don't have enough patience, but you know what? You can't run out and get patience. You remember I told you about the guy's prayer that really wanted patience? He said, God, I, I want patience. I want it right now. Right? Okay? That's what happens. We go out and we try to produce the fruit of the Spirit, and it just doesn't work like that. Jesus doesn't say, cheer up. Okay? Jesus never came and said, cheer up. He put his joy inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's where the joy comes from. Not from us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It's three of, our, three of our signs up here for Advent. It is manifest in our life as we live in Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to manifest Christ in us. Where the disconnect is often for us as Christians is that we go out and try to produce all this fruit. Okay, Jesus died for me. He paid the penalty for my sin. He saved me. Now I'm going to go out and be holy. I'm going to be good. I'm going to love people. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have all these things. That's a disaster. You know why it's a disaster? Because we focus on the wrong thing. We focus on the effects and not the cause. Jesus doesn't come say, be perfect. He comes and says, you should be perfect as your Father in heaven and perfect, but without me, it's impossible. That's what the whole chapter of John 15 is about. He's the vine. We're the branch. He wants all of these wonderful fruits to be manifest in our lives and only the branch can bear the fruit but only the vine can produce the fruit so you know what happens if you separate the branch from the vine no fruit it withers and so we think that we can produce all these things in our lives when it's actually Christ and his Holy Spirit that produce them in us and through us that's where the disconnect is focus I'm sorry joy comes from a right relationship with God What's that relationship look like? Well, first you have to trust him as Savior. You have to accept the sacrifice that Christ made for all of us to pay for our sin. 
then ask him to be the Lord of your life. It's not complicated. If it were really complicated, we couldn't do it. It's trusting in him. Pastor Tim likes that word, and so do I. It's trusting in God and what he's done, believing in him. That's what we're called to do, trust in him. It doesn't have to be a perfect trust. We can't do that either. Just a little bit of faith. Isn't that what he said? Like a mustard seed. Trust, it's not how much you trust, it's in whom you trust. Put your trust in God and in what Christ, his son, has done for you and done for me. Joy comes from a right relationship. First, you trust in him as Savior, and then you have to make room for him. You know, we sing about making room for him, don't we? At Christmas time, there was no room for them in the inn. Well, then my question to you this morning is, how much room is there in your heart for his Holy Spirit to work in you and through you? How much room do you have in your heart for Christ? And by the way, your heart is the biggest area that you have, okay? All you brains out there that think you have more room in your head than you do in your heart, trust me, you don't, okay? It's not the size of your physical heart. The, the, the essence of the size of your heart is infinite. That's why when God speaks to us and says, I want, I want to live in your heart. Is there room in your heart for the Savior this Christmas? Have you made room for him to grow, to live and expand, to guide you and direct you, to help bear this fruit in your life? He wants us to be joyous. He wants us to love each other with his love. He wants us to have peace that passes all understanding. He wants us to be kind and good and gentle and faithful. And you know, when I went over this list this week, you know what got me? You know, you could start at the beginning. They can all trip you up. They can all get you or convict you. You know what got me? Gentleness. <laughs> Gentleness. You can go back and ask Dave and some of those guys in the back that know me. I'm not the most gentle guy you ever met, okay? Gentleness. It's different from kindness. You know what gentleness is? Well, I often think of gentleness as holding something that's fragile and not breaking it. And, and sometimes it's somebody else's heart, isn't it? Sometimes it's somebody else's feelings. Sometimes it's somebody else that needs an encouraging word from you or an arm around them or a prayer. And many times, you know, I, I miss that. Because you know what I want to do? I want to tell them what they need to hear and say, hey, come on now. Let's, let's go. Let's do this. And sometimes you have to be gentle. Sometimes you have to be willing to stop and to listen. All these fruits have to come from the Spirit. If I go out and try to be gentle, I'll ruin it. And we do the same thing with love and with joy and with peace. You, you want to prove me right? Go home and meditate and bow your head, pray, do whatever you want to do and concentrate really hard on being peaceful. Okay? Do that today. Give it about 10 minutes and I can guarantee you won't be peaceful. Okay? You'll be stressed. Because if you're like all the rest of us, after five minutes, you're going to be saying, Rich said do this for 10 minutes. Is it 10 minutes yet? Is it 10 minutes yet? <laughs> this is really frustrating. This is really hard. It's fruit from the Spirit from focusing on Christ. That's where the joy comes from. He brought it down with Him. He wants it to be part of our lives. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And you know, when we think about our circumstances, by the way, it's easy to be happy if everything's going right, right? It's easy to be happy. That's not the same as joy. Happiness depends on circumstances many times. You know what joy? Joy exists in spite of the circumstances. Do you know why? Well, we can go back to Darwin ends. How is a guy who is that severely handicapped? Maybe we're not supposed to say handicapped. Maybe it's physically challenged, whatever. I don't know. How is a guy dealing with that kind of disability? Joyous and full of grace and loving. I'll tell you how. Christ was living in his heart. Now, Christ living in his heart didn't change all the circumstances. He didn't heal his arm or his leg. He lived with that from age 18 to 85. 
You know what it changed? His heart and how he saw the disability. That's what God's joy does in your heart and my heart. It won't automatically change all your circumstances. It changes something even more important than that. How you see your circumstances. How you see those people around you. How you feel about them. How you value them. How much you love them. That's based on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. If not for that constant, non-ending, always able to be counted on love of God through Jesus Christ. I couldn't even get two or three items down that list of fruit in my life. Because I'm not a gentle person. And I'm not a patient person. And contrary to popular belief, not, not that loving of a person, okay? In myself. In myself. But guess what the Holy Spirit does to my heart? Sometimes he just squeezes it and crushes it. Okay? That's what happens when the fruit starts to be shown in your life and my life. It has to come from him. Let's move on. As we abide in Christ by obeying him, this is good, man, this is good. Soak us up, please. John chapter 15. As we abide in Christ by obeying him, his joy is in us and our joy is complete. Our joy is complete. That's the title of today's message, complete joy. That word means whole. That word, word means fulfilled. Okay? Complete joy. We have to abide in Christ. If you look at John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking. This is right after the vine and the branches section. He says, as the Father has loved me, verse 9, John 15, so have I loved you. Now remain, the word can be abide, stay in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. So where do we get the joy? Well, we know already it comes from God's presence, right? Now Jesus is saying here, he wants us to live, to remain, to abide in his love. How do we do that practically? Well, here's the answer. By obeying what he commands us to do. Now, here's where the disconnect comes, remember? Because we hear that and we go, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. Locked and loaded, here we go. I'm going out to obey your commands. And I'm going to do it in spite of everybody else, okay? If I've got to run right over top of them, I'm going to obey all your commands. Was that Marshall Wilson? I thought it was. Okay. Go Army. Beat Navy. Okay. I heard you on the radio Friday, Marshall, but I digress. Okay. Did a good job. I was wondering why you wouldn't be our senator or our president because I'd rather you be our president. Let's skip all that. Marshall's awesome. <laughs> okay. You know how Marshall knows about riding roughshod over people because that was his job for a while in the Army. Okay. But I know Marshall also knows how to take care of people and how to minister to people. And that's what he's doing now. As uh, my representative, I'm in District 60. Okay? He's my representative. I love that. Because I can call him up and complain to him, you know? <laughs> it's hard to call up Joe Manchin and complain to him. You know what I'm saying? Joe doesn't want to hear it, but Marshall will listen. All right. We abide in Christ and we obey him. So you know what happens? We go out and say, Lord, we're going to obey you. And then we try to do it in our own strength. And you know what happens? We fail. And then we ask for forgiveness, and then we try again, and then we fail. And then we ask for forgiveness, and then we try again, and then we fail. Does that sound familiar to anybody in here? 
that, that's a depressing kind of Christian life to live. And unfortunately for us, as a body of believers, it's why a lot of people outside of the church say, you know, I want to come to church with you guys, and you talk about it like it's the greatest thing in the world. And then, you know, I watch you, and I watch your family, and I watch you in the neighborhood and everything. I just don't see it. I don't see it. You know, and, and we think, well, they think we're hypocrites because maybe we smoke or maybe uh, they see us at a bar or something. No, they think we're hypocrites because they don't see the joy in our lives. That's the disconnect because we're trying to do all these things ourselves instead of receiving them as the fruit that comes from the vine. Don't focus on changing yourself. Let him change you. Don't focus on pleasing him or earning your salvation. He's already paid for that. Focus on the Savior and his love for you and for me, and then allow him to change you from the inside out. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting a little off track. Just a little. But that's what happens when we, when we hear, hear the word command. That's kind of what happens to us. But see what Jesus says? If you want to remain in me and in my love, then try to put into practice my commands. And what's his main command? Love each other as I have loved you. Well, I've already told you that's impossible in myself. What Jesus is saying is, allow me to live in you, and you live in me. And as you let my Holy Spirit teach you, lead you, guide you, direct you, convict you, then this fruit will come into your life. You will see others in a different way. It won't change your circumstances, especially not right away. It will change how you see everything, how you experience everything, change your perspective. And he says, as you obey my commands... You remain in my love. And as you remain in my love, I've told you these things. Why? So that my joy could be in you and your joy could be complete. You want to know how to have complete joy this Christmas? You have to have Jesus' joy in your heart. Your joy, my joy, can't be complete. And we can, we can go to the rest of the list of the fruit of the Spirit if you want. Your love can't be complete. Your peace will never be complete. Your goodness, your faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control will never be complete without Christ in your heart. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown and Dave Kreitz. He didn't just come down to make a statement. He didn't just come down to give us an example. He came down to save us, to redeem us, so we could have a relationship with him, so his joy could be in us, and our joy could be complete, could be whole. You know how many people in this world are looking for something to make themselves whole? Something missing, there's a missing piece inside can be the easy stuff like drugs and alcohol. It's not so easy to get rid of. It's easy to start up. can be other stuff like power, money, prestige. can wreck your relationships. You know how it wrecks your relationship? You start telling your spouse or even your parents or your kids, hey, you're responsible for making me feel good. I don't feel so good. It's your fault. I'm not happy. It's your fault. I don't have any joy in my heart, so get with it. Make me joyous. <laughs> You're supposed to be overflowing joy and helping share God's joy with them. But as long as you focus on the effects and the results in yourself, it will never happen. He says, I want you to remain in my love and my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. We try everything we can to fix that broken part of the inside of us. And the only thing that fits, if you think of the inside like your heart, like a jigsaw puzzle, the only thing that fits is a cross-shaped piece. That's the only thing that fits. It's the only thing that makes you complete and makes me complete is Jesus Christ. That's why he came. He didn't just come to see what it was like to be human. He didn't just come to give us a good example. He came to save us all. He came to restore our relationship with the eternal God. He came so that when he left, he might infuse us with his Holy Spirit and we could live lives of what? Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of those things are part of your life this Christmas? Don't go out of here feeling guilty. You can't produce them. He has to do it in you and through you. Refocus yourself this Christmas on the reason for the season, on Christ and his incarnation, on the Lord God who loved you enough to come and become one of us and shed his blood to pay the price for our sin. Instead of that, right, we want to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail. You know what we're supposed to do? One last scripture, and I'm going to try to get with it. <laughs> Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, and I read this a couple weeks ago about hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I are supposed to be living lives in the overflow. In the overflow. The only way you can live in the overflow is if you receive the flow. And you know where this is going. And give me credit. It's been a couple months at least, right? It has to be the this before it's to this. Okay? If you're looking at that saying, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, it's okay. But we do that a lot here at Connections. It's about establishing the this, which is receiving Christ as your Savior. And living Jesus says, living and abiding and remaining in his love. Living in Christ, that, allows, that means allowing his Holy Spirit to live in us. It's the only way we can do what Christ commands us. I can't love any one of you as he calls me to love you in myself. If he's not involved, it's not going to happen. First, it's the this, and then that becomes this. And that becomes how we love each other, how we minister to each other, and how we care for each other. I saw... A man with a severe physical disability and every reason to be mad at the world and mad at God touched thousands of lives just during the 30 years that I knew him because he had the joy of Christ in his heart. He just wanted to tell other people about where his joy came from. He just wanted to tell other people about the Savior. And so he loved everyone and valued everyone because of that. You want to know why he had such a good success rate at the VA? He wasn't just trying to help those men. He was praying for those men. He wasn't just praying for those men. He was loving those men and women, veterans. It changed their lives. It transformed many of their lives. Because Darwin Ends was sharing the joy that comes only from God, and from being in his presence. <laughs> joy comes from being in God's presence. What's my prayer for you this Christmas? My prayer is that you make room for him. You make room for him first as by receiving him as Savior and then make room for him by allowing the Holy Spirit to overflow out of you. That's what this verse is all about. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. You can't overflow joy out of your life to somebody else. Not the real joy, not the eternal joy, unless you let him fill you up with that joy. That's why this is first and then this, okay? Make room for him by allowing the Holy Spirit to overflow the hope, the love, and the joy of Jesus out of your hearts and lives. Only by receiving his joy. And then by obeying what Jesus said, by loving other people with God's love, with Jesus' love. That's the only way that our joy becomes complete. Because his joy is in us. And when your joy is complete, you are whole, you are fulfilled. You know another English word we use? You are perfect. And you might say this morning, Rich, one thing I can tell you with great certainty is I'm not perfect, okay? I'm not saying you're perfect in your thoughts or in your behavior. 
What I'm saying is that you become perfect in terms of being whole because God is with you. The essence of Christmas, right? He came as Emmanuel to be God with us. He still wants to be with you and with me. Make room for him in your heart. My wish for you this Christmas is that you begin to adore the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, band, you ready? We're going to do this so they can come up. I know you're shocked because I'm on time. But anyway, the guys in the band are like, what? You're done? This is happening? (laughs) Wow. I heard that amen from the back. Unfortunately, I know who that was. And I still love you, Natalie. Anyway, okay. (laughs) My wish for you is that you begin to adore the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just in song and not just because it's the holidays, but every day. Adore Him. We should come not just to the manger, but come every day to the cross. Come every day to His cross to adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. That's what we're going to sing. Oh, come let us adore Him. He's Christ the Lord. My prayer for you is that He's your Lord this Christmas. Let Him be your Lord. He's the King, and He's Lord. I'm asking you this morning, is He your King, and is He your Lord? And if not, first thing you have to do is trust Him as Savior. And if you're a believer out there today and you're looking at me and listening to me, then I ask you to do this. Make room for Him. Make room for Him in your heart every day. Begin with adoring Him, loving our Lord Jesus Christ and thanking Him for what He did for us that we could never earn. Start there and then let Him fill you up. And we can live in the overflow. Because when Jesus overflows you yes I went there Jesus overflows you it's joy J-O-Y Jesus overflowing us let's stand and pray Lord God thank you for this season that we celebrate your incarnation Lord God thank you for this season of Advent where we ready our hearts prepare ourselves for celebrating your incarnation God by talking about the wonderful things that you bless us with and give us. Only in you do we find hope. Only in you do we find true love. Only in you, Lord, do we find real joy. Not just in your presence, but in your coming to earth to become one of us. God, help us this Advent Sunday to know what it means to adore you, to know what it means to open our hearts to you, to know what it means to receive your joy and let it overflow in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to live in your joy in spite of circumstances, in in spite of grieving and loss and other things that happen to us. God, we have your joy in us every day. Lord, help us to receive it. Help us, God, to trust you each and every day. And God, help us to come, to come and adore you. Amen.